Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hello, I'm Chris Wild, host of Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Today we're going to bring you again one of our highlight programs from a previous life study. In our life study of Exodus, we are at the point of looking at the precious stones, and these messages are bringing us to the vision in Scripture of God's building. And we had an outstanding message in the life study of the book of Acts on this very thing, God's building as seen in Scripture. And we felt like it was a good time to go back and revisit that message. So we hope that you enjoy this special highlight program from the Life Study of Acts. As Christians, we all know Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We may also know him as our friend, even our healer, and many other precious items. Yet can we say that we, like Peter in Acts chapter 4, know Christ as the stone for God's building? Stay tuned for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee as we get a priceless view into the very heart of God. And with us to enjoy what I believe is a real classic message is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm happy to be here yet again, and I'm really fond especially of this delightful subject. Ron, in chapter 3 of Acts, against the setting of miraculous healing that drew this large crowd, Peter used the occasion not to speak about healing or miracles, but to point the people to Christ as the healer. But now, in chapter 4, we find Peter and the disciples before the Sanhedrin, the council of great religious leaders. And here, in this context, he presents Christ as the cornerstone of the building. This is a significant change, isn't it, Ron? The significance is profound, and I would mention just two reasons for this. First, Peter speaking concerning the stone, which is for God's building, indicates that the goal of God's salvation and the goal of the application of God's salvation in the way of healing is the building. This indicates that Peter was clear concerning God's economy to have a corporate expression of himself in Christ with the believers. There is a multifaceted revelation concerning Christ as the stone in the Scriptures. He's the cornerstone. He's the living stone. He's the top stone. But he is also the stumbling stone. Those who do not confess him to be who he is, who reject him in disbelief, will experience him as a stone, However, not as a building stone, but as a stumbling stone. So Peter's word was a warning to these blind religious leaders that they were in the process of stumbling over this stumbling stone. To the unbelieving Gentiles, especially those involved in building up an empire for themselves through world politics, Christ is the smiting stone. 
There's quite a revelation here. We hope that we will open, exercise our spirit, turn our hearts, and listen very intently to what the Spirit may be saying through his minister and our fellowship concerning this marvelous matter of Christ as the stone for God's building. Ron, that was a strong exhortation. I would just like to add my own word to that. This is one of those messages that we entreat our listeners open to the Lord. We definitely and even desperately need his shining if we are to be brought into this crucial revelation regarding what really is on God's heart and what really is the significance of so many of these items that are presented in the book of Acts. Let's join Witness Lee with his fellowship. In chapter 3, Peter presented the healer as God's servant, as the holy one, righteous one, and especially as the author of life. Because he's out of life whenever we call on him, a season of refreshing comes for our enjoyment. And then he is the prophet to speak to us all the time, God, and he's the seed in whom we all have been blessed. But in chapter 3, you cannot find any hint that this healer, being so much is for God's economy. It's for God's purpose. It's for God's building. You cannot find this until there was a chance offered to Peter. And Peter took that chance and Peter went further to present the healer in a further way, showing us this healer is his tone for God's building. God came in incarnation to be stone for the building up of his universal habitation. But the Jewish leaders, who should have been the builders? You see, even here, Peter considered them as builders. This stone was despised by you, the builders, but God made him the cornerstone. After rejection, in resurrection, God has made him a particular stone, the cornerstone. It joins, it combines the wall on two sides together. And that is a corner. And the cornerstone of God's habitation is this one. In John chapter 1. The Lord Jesus said, Simon, you are Cephas. And Cephas is Peter, a stone. You are a stone. Then the second time in Caesarea Philippi, the Lord asked the disciples, whom do you say I am? And Peter took the lead to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then the Lord said, I will build my church upon this rock. And here, by saying this, the Lord pointed out Peter's new name again. Peter, that means stone. And I will build my church upon this stone with all the stones. Surely Peter got deep impression, but I don't believe at that time he understood. But after the breathing 
of the life-giving spirit into him, and after the brewing of the economical spirit upon him, he became a man of spirit. So surely he understands. He could recall, oh, now I understand. The first time I went to him, he called me, he gave me a new name, Peter, a stone. And then the second time, he also called me, Peter, and he told me he would build his church upon a stone. So he understood. Run from Peter's earliest encounters with the Lord in the Gospels until his own epistles we can see the stone as a reoccurring theme. It's altogether fitting that Peter spoke such a word regarding the stone since he was so familiar with it, isn't it? Yes, it is. Consider, Peter is introduced to the Lord Jesus in John chapter 1, the first meeting. And the Lord looks at him and says, Your name is Simon, but you will be a stone. You will be called Peter. Petros, a stone. Isn't this quite remarkable that you meet this wonderful person and he immediately goes to the heart of what will be the developing relationship with this person and the Lord indicates, I'm going to change you, Peter. You're a man of clay. You are mud. You are earth. You're soil. I will do a work in you to make you a stone for the building. Even your name will change as a testimony that your being will change. Then in Matthew 16, there's another reference to a stone where the Lord is indicating that he will build his church upon the rock, which is himself, and the revelation concerning himself. But the context clearly indicates that this building will be with one such as Peter as stones. So Peter got some clear speaking from the Lord concerning being a stone. Then we know from the course of his history as recorded in the scriptures, whether his failure in denying the Lord or his exercise of his function in bringing thousands to salvation, Peter passed through a process of actually becoming a living stone. So, when he wrote his first epistle, he directed his readers to Christ as a precious living stone. He's despised and rejected, but we need to come to him. And if we do, we will become living stones and be built up a spiritual house. Peter's utterance is very clear. These scriptures indicate a number of things. Here we see first that God's goal is to have a building with Christ as the foundation stone and the believers as the living stones. We see in the Lord's interaction with Peter that the Lord intends in his salvation not only to save us objectively and not only to regenerate us initially in our spirit, but to transform us in our soul to make us living stones as the proper material for God's building. Peter saw this, Peter experienced this, and Peter wrote about this. We are now in Acts chapter 4, midway, and Peter is now proclaiming this. He is proclaiming Christ as the stone, and by so doing he is indicating that God has a goal 
to have a spiritual house, a building, and that we need to believe into this wonderful Christ to be born of God and then come to Christ as the precious stone to be gradually transformed into precious stones for God's building. You mentioned in your introductory word, Chris, that this message would be a priceless view into the very heart of God. Here it is. God's heart is set on the building, which is the corporate expression of Christ, the living stone, the foundation stone, with all the believers as the transformed living stones. The fact is, everyone hearing this broadcast who is a believer is already through regeneration a living stone, and the Lord will shepherd you through a process of being transformed into the proper building material until we are all built into God's universal building for his corporate expression. This is the desire of God's heart, and we are privileged to be able to hear a faithful word concerning it. Thank the Lord for this. Ron, there's another portion of this faithful word just ahead. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Then later, when Peter became old, he wrote his first epistle. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he told us, The Lord is the living stone. And we all come to him being living stones to build up a spiritual house. Peter was very impressed. He knew him, this healer, not only as God's servant, the Holy One, the Righteous One, the Out of Life, the Prophet, but also that Jesus Christ is a stone for building, not just a servant, not just the Holy One, the Righteous One, qualified to be our Savior. Not just the author of life, not just the prophet speaking God, not just the seed for us to be blessed, but also a stone. A stone for God's building. This stone is the very one in whom we could be saved. So I say this is a stone savior. Hallelujah, he is a stone savior, not a clay savior. In Zechariah, we are told this stone, even the top stone. Isn't our savior qualified? Take the cornerstone, foundation stone, top stone, every stone of God's building. He's surely qualified. Well, Ron, Christ is portrayed as a stone in several different aspects in Scripture. What is the significance that to us, his believers, he is the building stone. To the Jews, the stone of stumbling. And to the unbelievers, he will be the smiting stone. This shows the universality and the all-inclusiveness of Christ in God's economy, symbolized in this particular matter of his being a stone. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul gives a synopsis of the three we could say, sections of the human race. He talks about the church and Israel or the Jews and the Greeks, the Gentiles. So you have these three categories of people. You have the believers, those who receive Christ, the Son of God, the God-man, the Redeemer, as their Lord, their Savior, and their life. They are born of God. 
We may not know why we're born of God, but God knows. We are born of him that we may be stones for God's building. So positively, to the believers, Christ is the stone who makes us living stones for the building. He is the building stone producing living stones as the proper material. But there are two categories of people who disbelieve. Those who are of Israel according to the flesh, the Jews outwardly, and if they persist in rejecting the Lord due to their disobedience and unbelief, they will encounter him as a stumbling stone. They will fall on this stone and be broken. We should not think that we can avoid him by not believing into him. There is no avoiding this stone of God. If we believe in him, well and good, we become living stones. Those among the Jews who reject him will eventually encounter him as a stumbling stone. But the vast majority of the unbelievers are the Gentiles. They may rebel, they may blaspheme, they may revile, they may be ungodly in every way, thinking there will be no accountability, there will be no judgment. But the scriptures clearly reveal that Christ is coming again as a stone, and in particular as a smiting stone. And all those unbelievers who rebel against him, who refuse to believe into him, who do not obey the gospel of God, will meet this stone, not in the way that we the believers do as a building stone, but as a smiting stone. According to Daniel 2, we have a further revelation of Christ as a stone cut without hands. He is the one who came from God, who came from heaven. He is going to return as this marvelous stone and smash the toes and the feet of the great image which symbolizes all the world governments. That image will crumble, it will become dust and blown away, and that stone will become a mountain that will fill the whole earth. That mountain is the kingdom. So this is profound, this is crucial, and this is serious. There is no avoiding an encounter with this stone, this wonderful Christ as the building stone. What a mercy that we have believed into him and have received him as this solid one into our spirit to become constituted with him to be the building material, the living stones. But he's coming back as a stone and all of those that are joined to him by faith will be one with him. He will smash the world governments and he with his believers, the living stones, will become a great mountain, the kingdom filling the whole earth. Isn't this a wonderful revelation? Isn't this a fresh view of our wonderful Christ, of God's economy, and of God's way of dealing with the human race according to his economy to fulfill the desire of his heart? I love this, and I am just animated afresh by being able to fellowship concerning it. Ron, let's join Witness Lee. We have one section remaining. Christ is all you know. Amen. And we are the fullness Amen. of this one Amen. who is all you know Amen. to express him. Amen. It is in this name of such a wonderful one 
that we are saved. This is why his name is powerful, because he is such a wonderful one, all-inclusive one. Let me check with you. In what name have you been saved? In the name of Jesus. Who is Jesus? In short, he is the all-inclusive one. If you want me to tell you all the details, you must be with me for 30 days. I have to tell you, Christ is God, Christ is man, Christ is Father, Christ is Son, Christ is Spirit, Christ is the rock, Christ the foundation, Christ the cornerstone, topstone, every piece of the house, Christ is door, Christ is my food, Christ is my clothing, Christ is my drink, Christ is my life, and Christ is my strength, Christ is my ability, Christ is my function, and Christ is my walking, and Christ is my living, and Christ is my speaking, and Christ is my breathing, and Christ is my seeing, and Christ is my hearing. Christ, 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 Christ. Could you finish telling what Christ is? Impossible. From 1961, I wrote a number of hymns. One tells us Christ is everything. And that hymn has many verses telling us Christ this, Christ that. Hallelujah. Our Christ has the aspect of being a stone. This stone is not only for God's building, it is also a stumbling stone. So many people got stumbled. Isaiah tells us he is the stumbling stone. And Daniel too tells us he is the smashing stone. He will smash all the nations into powder. He's a stone. Hallelujah, he's a stone. But for God, he's a building stone. Then how about for you and me? He propagated us, and now he's building us. He's not on the builder. Listen, he's the material, a stone savior. Ron, the stone appears repeatedly, as you have alluded, and we've heard from Witness Lee, throughout the Bible, from Genesis chapter 2 all the way through Revelation 22. Can you trace for us a bit the progressive revelation of the stone in the Scripture? Remember from our life study of Genesis, Chris, that we pointed out that Genesis is a book of seeds. And so many seeds there are sown, and then they grow and develop throughout the Bible and reach their harvest and consummation in Revelation. Same thing with the stone. Genesis 2, onyx stones. That's the seed. Genesis 28, what does Jacob take for a pillow? Significantly, a stone. And then eventually, this stone is related to God's building, as the dream indicates. Then we go to Exodus. The high priest has a breastplate. What's on it? Stones. Various precious stones. And on the shoulder of the high priest, what's there? Onyx stones with the names of the children of Israel, indicating that God's people are stones for the building. In Isaiah chapter 28, we have a prophetic word about the Lord laying in Zion a tried stone, a precious stone, a cornerstone. 
And Christ, we know, is the smitten rock whence flowed the living water. In Zechariah, this stone with seven eyes and the stone is engraved. So these are just a few of the references in the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, in the Gospels, you have this reference to Christ as the stone in three aspects. And in John chapter 1, the Lord comes to Peter and says, you will be a stone. And then in Acts 4, he's preaching about Christ as a living stone. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is talking about growth and transformation for God's building. And he indicates we should build with gold, silver, and precious stones. Then we indicated already that in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter speaks strongly concerning Christ as the living stone and that we need to come to him and enjoy him and contact him and thereby become living stones. The harvest, of course, is in the book of Revelation. In chapter 3, the overcomer in Pergamos is given a white stone, which is for God's building, indicating that this overcomer has become a transformed person. And consummately and ultimately, the new Jerusalem is a sign of God's universal, eternal, consummate building as his corporate expression in the new heaven and the new earth. This building has foundations. Abraham was looking for a city with foundations. Twelve foundations. And what's on these twelve foundations? All manner of precious stones. So we begin with onyx in Genesis 2. We end up with all manner of precious stones in Revelation 21 God wants a building as the corporate expression of his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. This is God's heart's desire. Let's pay attention to what is important to God. Let's not focus on the miracles in and of themselves, signs and wonders in and of themselves, tongue speaking as an isolated phenomenon. Let's focus on God's economy. Let's focus on the heart's desire of God. Let's focus on God's building. And now in chapter 4, let's focus on Christ, the building stone, the living stone. Let's heed Peter's word. Peter knew what he was talking about. He indicated the religious ones are still despising him and rejecting him. But God approves him. God raised him from the dead. And to us who believe, this stone is precious. So let's come to him, love him, contact him, enjoy him, and through transformation, become just like him, living stones for God's building. Ron, I share your delight in the Bible. It's unparalleled. Thank you for your fellowship. You're welcome. Well, we trust that you've enjoyed our highlight program today as we went back to the Life Study of Acts. And we've enjoyed bringing you this very classic message on the vision of God's building. And it fits very well in our current life study of Exodus, which we will be back to. So please join us for that. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. 
From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.